thank you, Pastor, and thank you for being faithful to these meetings. I know it encourages your pastor's heart, but I know the Lord is pleased when we're faithful to his house and uh, to the Lord, and so thank you for being in these services. I know a little bit of an aberration to the schedule to come to church on Friday and again on Saturday morning and again today, but thank you for being faithful. The Bible says the faithful man shall abound with blessing, and uh, we often say, Lord, can you bless my family? Can you bless me? Can you bless my church? Well, God says I can, but I want you to be faithful, and I'll bless that faithfulness. So thank you for being faithful in your place for these services. Let's go to John chapter 10, the Gospel of John and chapter number 10, and we'll see this morning uh, mainly the words of the Lord Jesus here. In John chapter 10, I'll start to read with verse 22, John chapter 10. The Bible says in verse 22, And it was at Jerusalem the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. The relationship of a shepherd with his sheep is a beautiful picture of the relationship that God has with his people. Years ago, I was um, asked to come and preach a revival meeting in Ontario, Wisconsin. Pastor Mike Jeffley grew up in that little town of 300 people. Mike uh, never went to church much. His parents were Lutheran, but they did not go to church a great deal. They were farmers and very busy. And so Mike basically grew up with religion, but did not know the Lord as his Savior. He went to a wrestling camp, however, when he was in high school. Mike was a good wrestler, and he went to one of these camps during the summer to improve his skills. And while he was there, he heard the gospel, and Mike was wonderfully saved. As he went through high school, he began to search for a church that he could go to that would preach the Bible. He found one about 30 miles away in another town, and his parents weren't real keen about him going, but he started to attend and started to grow in his faith for the Lord and got involved in the youth group. And By the time he was a senior in high school, he determined that God wanted him to go to a Christian college. Well, his parents were very much against it. They said, we can't uh, help you to go to a Christian college. And and yet Mike was determined that that's what God wanted him to do, and so he went to a Christian college. While he was there, God moved in his heart and called him to preach. By the time he was a senior, Mike decided that God wanted him to go back to Ontario and plant a church in that little town of 300 people. His goal was that his mom and dad and his sisters and brothers would come to know Christ. He just had a desire to reach his own family. And so upon graduation, he went to Ontario and planted the Faith Baptist Church. He called us and said, can you come and preach a revival? Well, we gladly did. And we arrived at the church. It was not a church building. It was a, a three-story house on the edge of town. 
that they had uh, taken, and the bottom floor was made into an auditorium. The upstairs bedrooms and things were turned into classrooms and nurseries. We pulled in, and I was traveling with my wife and two children at the time, and we had a trailer, and we parked it there and that, next to that farmhouse, and we went inside, and, and the pastor began to talk about the week, and he said, now, Brother Gatch, we're not a large congregation. We have about 20 people, and he said, uh, they're not able to pay me a salary or anything yet, and he said, my dad, his dad was not a Christian, he said, my dad uh, gave me some land next to his farm, and it's got a little house on it that we're living in, and he said, to make a living, I'm raising sheep. And he said, you've got to come and see my sheep. Well, I was raised on a farm. Uh, I had been around animals. And uh, my dad always had a few sheep on the farm. We had mainly dairy cows. And we had some hogs. And we had chickens. And we had a few sheep. And, and I had seen all the sheep I ever wanted to see. And so I wasn't overly excited about it. But uh, he was convinced that we needed to come and see his sheep. Well, the next day we went in, we had Sunday school, we had the morning service, and afterwards they had a little carry-in dinner, and we sat down and ate some lunch with the people, and finally they began to get up and, and uh, go their way, and, and Pastor Jeffley, he came over to our table where my wife and my two children were seated with me, and he said, uh, you're coming over, right? I said, uh, coming over? He said, yeah, to see the sheep. I said, Pastor, it's Sunday. I mean, Sunday afternoon is good for one thing taking a nap. And I said, oh, Pastor, I, I, don't, I don't know if we'll come today. He said, oh, you got to come today. He said, it's a beautiful day. I want you to see my sheep. Well, I wasn't real keen about it, but he started talking to my kids. John was about eight at the time. Melinda was about five. And he said, you want to come and see him, don't you? And they're like, yeah. And I said, well, Pastor, we better change clothes. I mean, I was raised on a farm. I know how these things go. And, and so I said, Pastor, we, you know, we better get the kids in some casual attire. And he said, okay, you go out to the trailer. You change clothes. I'll be back to get you in 10 minutes. Well, we went out to the trailer, changed clothes. And, and sure enough, 10 minutes later, he comes into that parking lot in, a, in an old rusted-out pickup truck. And he and I and my wife, my two kids, piled into that front seat of that old pickup truck. We went out the front of that church and turned onto a, a dirt road. And I mean, this thing had potholes the size of Stevensville, Montana. I mean, it was, it was terrible. We're bouncing around in that pickup truck. I'm hitting my head on the ceiling. I'm bumping into the pastor, into my kids. And, and I'm in a bad mood. I'm missing my nap. And I'm going to see dumb sheep. And I, I'm not happy. But we went to the end of that dirt road, and he took a left into the driveway of where they lived, and my attitude changed that fast. To the, right of the or to the left of the driveway was the house they were trying to live in, and it was kind of old, and it needed a paint job. The inside, we found later, was they had fixed it up, and it was very livable. The outside looked a little, a little old and run down. But to the right of that driveway, there was a pasture, and it went up to a, 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 a tree line at the top of a, of a ridge, probably about 500 feet up. And this pasture was at least 50 acres of just lush green grass and dotted over that entire pasture with these 100 sheep that Pastor Jeffley was raising. It was beautiful. It was just very peaceful, very serene. We got out of that truck and we walked up to the fence and Pastor began to talk to us about raising these sheep and how it was a lot like pastoring people, you know, and things. And he began to talk about it, and, and we listened, and my kids were infatuated by these sheep and, and the stories that he was telling. 
And he said, uh, hey, do you want to see the sheep up close? We thought, oh, sure. So he walked up to that fence, and he cupped his hands like this, and he yelled up the side of that hill, come, sheep. I thought, now that's original. I mean, most people can whistle or something, you know. But as soon as he said those two words, every one of those sheep lifted their head in unison, and they looked at the pasture, and they began to run to where we were standing. And these 100 sheep are all milling around in the pasture. He's refreshing their water troughs and putting some feed in their feed uh, bins. And, and uh, they're eating and drinking. And he's telling us about these sheep. After a while, they began to drift back up onto the hillside. And we went into the house to enjoy a little fellowship with the pasture. About 4 o'clock, we came out on the porch. It was time to get back to the church for the service that night. And we came out on the porch. And by this time, the sheep were all grazing again all over this entire pasture. We talked for a few minutes. And my daughter, Melinda, five years old, she looked up at me and she said, Dad, do you think I could call the sheep? I said, well, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if the pastor wants them to all run down here again. She looked at the pastor with her big brown eyes, and he said, sure, call him. So she stepped up to that edge of the porch, and she cupped her tiny little five-year-old hands up to her mouth, and she yelled those two words that she had heard the pastor yell. But in a squeaky little voice, she said, come, sheep. And nothing happened. And she was very disappointed. And so she looked at her big brother, John. He was eight. She said, John, you call him. Well, John looked at the pastor and I, and we kind of nodded. He stepped to the edge of that porch, and he cupped his hands, and in a much stronger voice, he yelled, Come, sheep! Nothing happened. Now they were both very disappointed. They looked at me, and they said, Dad, you call him. You were raised on a farm. You know how to do it. Okay. I stepped up to the porch. I had memorized the line. I cut my hands, and in the best imitation of the pastor's voice, I yelled, come, sheep. One old ram lifted his head and looked at me. You could kind of read his mind. Dumb tourists, you know, <laughs> went back to grazing. Well, the pastor by this time was rolling on the porch in laughter, and we finally coaxed him to call the sheep, and as soon as he did, they all came running. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Are you in tune with the shepherd this morning? There's a lot of voices out there. Do we know his voice? I want you to notice here in our passage three unique aspects in this picture that the Lord paints for us between the sheep and the shepherd. Notice, first of all, a recognition. In verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. Now, there are a lot of voices out there trying to get our attention, aren't there? I mean, you turn on the television, there's voices coming at you. You look at your social media, and there's voices saying, hey, come, follow me, listen to this, agree with this. Our politicians have a voice, and our news media has a voice, and people at work have a voice, and our family members have a voice. There are all kinds of voices, all kinds of appeals for our attention. And some of these voices are loud, and others are very persuasive, and, and some are very charming. Others promise the world to us. But this shepherd's voice is a distinct 
voice. When Jesus preached, they said, no man ever spake like this man. His voice was distinct. His voice was unique. After preaching the Sermon on the Mount, they said, uh, uh, this man doesn't speak like the scribes, like the other preachers we've heard. This man speaks with authority. This is a distinct voice. But notice it is also a devoted voice. In verse 25, uh, he did not come to create his own agenda. He did not come to build his own empire. No, he said, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. In verse number 25, he said, I told you, and you believe not the works that I do in my Father's name. They bear witness of me. The things that I'm doing, the things that I'm teaching, the miracles that I'm performing, they're because I love you. They're because I care about you. I'm devoted to you. He was not coming to seek his own favor. He was not come to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. This was a distinct voice. It was a devoted voice. It was a divine voice. Did you notice in verse 30, he said, I and my Father are one. This is is no human voice whose resources will run out when times get tough. This is not a human power that somehow will diminish with time. This is not one who rises and falls with the tide of the culture. No, this is the one who said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is, which was, and which is to come. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. This is a distinct, devoted, and divine voice. Do you recognize it? We recognize the voice of those that we love. We recognize the voice of a parent. We recognize the voice of a child that belongs to us. We recognize the voice of our pastor. We would recognize the voice of our boss. We would recognize certain voices. Do we recognize God's voice? Do we know when he's speaking to us? Here was a recognition. But notice, secondly, a relationship. My sheep, verse 27, hear my voice, a recognition. And I know them, a relationship. You know, it was interesting, as those sheep gathered around Pastor Jeffley, and he began to feed them and water them, he began to tell us a story about every one of them. Now, sheep to me all look the same. I mean, sheep really aren't that different from one another. Uh, they, they, they're basically one color. They're, they're white, kind of an off-white. They have wool. They have four legs. They have a face with a nose, eyes, and ears. I mean, sheep pretty much look alike, but not to that shepherd. He knew every one of them, had a name for each one of them. And he'd say, see that one right there? Her name's Molly. She had twins this year. One of them almost died, had to bring it up to the house and nurture it several nights back to health. He told about another one that was a stray, just walked up to their farm one day, and he put out to all the neighbors, hey, has anybody lost a sheep? One just came up to my farm. Nobody claimed it, so he said, I took her in. He had a story about every one of those sheep. Why? Because he had a relationship with them. God knows his sheep, and this is a singular relationship. My sheep hear my voice. God isn't an add-on to everything else in our life. 
The Bible says in Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd. Is he your shepherd this morning? Is it personal? He's not a last resort. He's not a first resort. He's our only resort. The psalmist said, whom have I in heaven but thee? There's none that I desire upon earth but thee. You see, we are complete in him. He is our all and in all. This is a singular relationship, but it is also a sacrificial relationship. Go back to verse number 11 in this chapter and notice the words of Christ. He said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he's an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. This is a sacrificial relationship. Oh, there are a lot of voices calling out to us. There are a lot of people that want our attention. There are a lot of people that say, hey, come and follow me. But no one has ever died for you. Jesus Christ was willing to die for you. And remember, he died for you while you were yet a sinner. It's not like we were a friend of God at that time, but we were enemies of God. We were alienated from God. We were strangers from God. And yet God in his love laid down his life for us. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometime afar off are made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. This is a singular relationship. This is a sacrificial relationship, and it is a secure relationship. Verse 28, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. What a promise that this relationship that we have with Christ can never be broken. It can never be taken away. Our, our relationships in life are, are, are very fragile. Our relationships upon earth are, are kind of fickle. I mean, we see, we see friendships breaking all the time around us. We see marriages breaking. We see people leaving a church or, or leaving a business or they, they, they leave things behind, but not God. God's relationship with us is secure. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth in me shall never thirst. All that the Father giveth to me shall come to me. And he that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Our relationship with Christ is secure. In Romans chapter 8, Paul said, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Here is a 
recognition, a relationship. But all that leads, thirdly, to a responsibility. My sheep hear my voice, a recognition. And I know them, a relationship. And they follow me, a responsibility. You see, this kind of commitment on the part of the shepherd begs a commitment on the part of the sheep. They follow me. Here is a keen awareness. Go back to verse number 4 in this chapter, if you will. In verse number 4, And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Why didn't those sheep come when Melinda called them? Why didn't they come when I called them? Or my son called? Well, our voice was a strange voice. We were saying the right words. We were saying it with the same emphasis. But to those sheep, that was a strange voice. We don't follow that voice. Do you know the Lord? Does he know you? Then why is it we're so prone to listen to all the voices except his? How is it that we're so in tune with what the world says and what the news says and what the neighbor says and what people work say and, and, and we use that as our guide? God says, no, my sheep have a keen awareness. Like Solomon told his son, my son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Moses was in the house of Pharaoh. Moses had a silver spoon in his mouth. Moses could have had the kingdom. Moses was being trained to be a great leader in Pharaoh's house in Egypt. But Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Here is a keen awareness. And notice there is a key authenticity. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. And they follow me. Now notice it does not say my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and I wish they'd follow me. It doesn't say, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they should follow me. No, it says, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. So you could deduce from that statement, if they're not following, they're not a sheep. Because he says, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they Follow me. It's not an option. It's a key authenticity that they are sheep. They're not following. They're not a sheep. You say, well, Brother Getch, that, that sounds a little harsh. Well, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 3, the Bible says, Hereby we do know that we know him. Okay, so here's how we know we're saved. Here's how we know we have this relationship. Hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, 
and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Whoa. I didn't write it. I just recite it. <laughs> you say, well, I don't like that. Well, that's what the Bible says. If we say, I know him, but we're not following him, God says, you don't know me because my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So are we following? Are we walking after him? If you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments. You are my friends. If you do, whatsoever I command you to do. I was preaching in the western suburbs of Chicago in a town called Plainfield, Illinois. The church there was an old building. In fact, the, the church was over 125 years old, and the building was over that uh, uh, age as well. And so it was actually a historical marker in the town of Plainfield. They, they could not paint that church without permission from the city because it had been designated as a historical monument. And so the church was beautiful. It was one of those white clapboard kind of buildings with a high steeple, and, and it just kind of stood out in that little town of Plainfield. Very beautiful, pristine kind of a building that you would see on a postcard or something. And they had done a great job of just taking care of that and using it for the Lord. Well, when you got inside, there was a balcony in the back. But from the platform, you could see there were no seats up there. And they had it roped off at the bottom. You could not go up there. I'm sure that they probably hadn't used it in years. They didn't need it. There were plenty of seats in the, on the main floor. Underneath the balcony in the main auditorium, there, there, it was kind of roped off as well. There were some bookcases with some books, and there were some tables, and it looked like maybe at one time it had served as a library or perhaps a classroom for a Sunday school uh, group or something, but it was roped off. You weren't supposed to go back there, and I don't know if they deemed it unsafe or whatever, but again, they didn't need that area for uh, the people to sit, so they'd roped it off. Well, there was a man in that church. He was 91 years old. And he was a godly man. He lived about two blocks from the church, and he insisted on walking to church. He walked with two canes. He had arthritis terribly bad. I mean, to watch him walk was painful. He just had to, had to just move very slowly, and, and, and yet he, he wouldn't accept a ride. He said, nope, I'm walking to church. That's, that's what I can do. And, and so he, he would walk in. And the first thing he would do when he would walk through the door, he'd go to that rope that was roping off that back area under the balcony, and he'd move the rope, and he'd go back there and sit where you weren't supposed to sit. Now, Baptists are good at that. If, if, if you rope off some seats, somebody will move the rope and sit there. I was in a church recently, and they had roped off a few seats in the back and because uh, they didn't need them, and I said, why don't you rope off about the first three rows? I bet if you rope off the first three rows, people will move the rope and sit in the front. I just, I just believe that's true. You know, we just have this rebellious nature, right? You see a rope, boy, oh, yeah, a rope, you know, I'll sit back there if I want to. That was this guy. And he would come in there, and I'd think, that old guy, he doesn't care what they say. He's going to sit wherever he wants to sit. But that wasn't the case. I soon learned that this man did not sit back there because he was rebellious. He sat back there because about every seven minutes, if he didn't stand up and move around a little bit, he wasn't going to get up. That arthritis had his body. And so about every seven minutes in the service, whether anybody else stood or not, he would stand up and he'd kind of stretch. And he'd kind of shake his arms out a little bit. And he'd he'd kind of 
move his legs a little bit, and he'd just take a few seconds, then he'd sit back down. Seven minutes later, he'd stand up, stretch a little bit. I liked it because I knew exactly how long I'd been preaching by how many times he had stood up. He was like a clock. I mean, every seven minutes he was standing up doing his little exercises back there. Well, one night I was preaching out of John chapter 10, this text, and I, I was preaching about sheep and, and uh, hearing my voice, and, and they follow me, and, and I, I, I'd gotten toward the end, and I said, now, are you a sheep this evening? In other words, are you saved? Do you know the Lord? Are you a sheep this evening? And I paused, because when you ask a question in public speaking, you should pause to let people answer it in their mind. Well, when I paused, I saw this guy getting out of his chair, and I thought, wait a minute, you were just up about 30 seconds ago. Hasn't been seven minutes. What are you doing? And he's getting out of his chair. I had asked the question, are you a sheep this evening? And he's getting out of his chair. And he got up, and, and, and he, he took his cane, he put it up over his head like this, and he raised one foot off the ground. He said, or are you a goat? <laughs> and he sat down. And, and everybody kind of laughed, and, and then I noticed some people weren't laughing. And I said, sir, I'm glad you said that, not me. I think we got some goats here. He said, brother, catch. Well, friend, one day it's going to be very, very important whether you're a sheep or whether you're a goat. Because in Matthew chapter 25, they're going to gather before God all the nations. And he's going to separate them. The one from the other is a shepherd divideth his sheep from his goats. And he'll set the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. Then he shall say to them on the right hand, Come, ye blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom of God prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then shall he say to them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. These shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. It's very important whether you're a sheep or a goat. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. What a beautiful picture. Does the picture match your life? Let's bow for prayer. Lord, we're challenged here by this picture. We've all seen sheep following their shepherd. We've seen it in real life. We've seen it in pictures. We see it here in the scriptures. And it ought to be representative of our life as a child of God. That we are in tune with the voice of the shepherd. That we have a relationship. And that, Lord, we are obedient. As the shepherd leads, sometimes through hard places, we're willing to follow. When he leads to the green pastures and the still waters, we're happy to follow. And even as he leads to the valley of the shadow of death, we follow because he's with us. Lord, today, I don't know the heart condition of each one that is here. Lord, I pray for each of us that know you as our Savior. May we not intentionally rebel against the command of the shepherd. For where...
he leads, we must follow. And we know that he will not lead us down a path that leads to destruction or difficulty. But Lord, he goes with us to guide us through those times that may seem hard to us, but the end result will be for his glory, his honor. Help us to be obedient to you as your children. And then, Lord, if there is someone here that you're touching their heart that they do not have this relationship with you, they're not sure they hear your voice, they're not sure that their sins are forgiven, that they're on their way to heaven, Lord, may today they come to know Christ as Savior, whom to know is to know life and life eternal, life abundantly. Lord, may that relationship be established today as they would trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross and his death, his burial, his resurrection. And so work in our hearts this morning. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed for a moment, are you a sheep? Oh, if not, we'd love to introduce you to the shepherd. We'd love to be able to share with you how you could know Christ as your Savior. In a moment, we're going to extend an invitation. And all you would need to do is come and say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm a sheep. I'm not sure I know the Lord. I'm not sure I'm on my way to heaven. It'd be an honor. It'd be a thrill to take the Word of God and show you how to establish that relationship with Christ today. And then as a Christian, if God's spoken to your heart, saying, hey, you know me. Come on. Follow me. Maybe you need to take that step of obedience and baptism now that you're saved. Maybe you need to be a part of a, a local church. You need to take that step. Maybe you need to start a, a discipline of reading your Bible daily or witnessing to those around you, or perhaps in your stewardship. I don't know what the Lord may be speaking to you about, but whatever he says, may we be obedient to his command. Father, work in this closing time of the service, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand quietly if we can, and our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. This is between you and the Lord.